Hey, are you ready to grow your business? You have checked out the number one resource for business leaders, entrepreneurs, startup founders, and managers. And we're going to teach you how to grow and scale your business with real actionable steps. There's no fluff in this podcast. It's just good advice. Check out this episode. If you're a first-time listener, make sure you subscribe to the podcast. And if you enjoy this episode, leave us a five-star review. Today's episode is with Ryan Frederick, who's the founder of AWH and also the author of two books, Sell Naked and Other Advice for Growing and Managing Service Firms, and The Founder's Manual, a guidebook for becoming a successful entrepreneur. In fact, if you've been wondering how to become a successful entrepreneur, this is the episode for you. This is such an incredibly honest conversation where Ryan is really going to peel back a little bit more about his journey. And also all those things you see on social media that talk about how easy entrepreneurship is and how easy it is to run a business. Those of you who are already running a business, you know how that is not always quite the case, but Ryan gives such a phenomenal perspective. He gives an honest insight on the journey you can expect in running and growing a business. Stay tuned. Here comes your good advice. Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Good Advice Podcast. Welcome to the show. Thanks for listening. You know, you might be in your car, you might be in your home office, you might even be at work and wherever you are, hopefully you're listening to the podcast because you're looking for good advice on how to grow and scale your business. It could be a business you're working on right now. It could be something that maybe you're dreaming about. You're thinking about that, getting away from the nine to five hustle and starting something that you've been, uh, you feel like it's, it's, it's inside you. It's this entrepreneurial dream that you want to start, that you want to create. We're going to be talking about that journey here today. In fact, today I'm sitting down with Ryan Frederick. Ryan is the founder of AWH, which you can go to awh.net to find out more. It's a digital product firm that helps people launch their digital products from all the way, literally from startup founder moment all the way up to an enterprise who's really scaling their business online. He's also the author of two books, Sale Naked, and other advice for growing and managing service firms, as well as the author of The Founder's Manual, a guidebook for becoming a successful entrepreneur. There's a lot of noise out there, so we got to listen to the people who really know the right steps to make entrepreneurship work. Ryan, it's so great to have you here today. Thank you for joining me. Thanks for having me. You have a great broadcaster, podcast host voice. So you <laughs> you have you have found your calling based upon your natural God given uh, abilities. I appreciate that. My wife was telling me she's like, you got to get on Audible and start recording people's books for them. And I was like, I don't know if I have the patience for that because you know I don't want I don't know like what kind of books I would get or what have you. But I think I'll just stick to the podcast. The podcast feels like it's working, and so I appreciate no, the compliment. You should totally. I'm writing a third book now, but it's not a business book. It's a relationship book and about dating. So you should you should totally do the audio version of that. So that's interesting that you're doing. Uh, so you have these two books that are out already, which, by the way, I love the name "Sell Naked," um, and you have this other book, the guy, the Founder's Manual Guidebook for Becoming a Successful Entrepreneur. You just mentioned you're writing a relationship book. That's a little bit different. So why why the change? Yeah, it is. Um, and I didn't even really. I never intended to be an author and to write books. 
And so I, with the first one, the founder's manual, I just started taking notes. And then I, I realized that the, those notes and that outline were sort of the skeleton to a book. So then I was like, well, I've either made this outline and taken these notes for, you know, just selfish purposes and reasons, or I could actually write a book. And so then I found a publisher that, that was, you know, willing to and interested in doing the book. And then I enjoyed writing the founder's manual so much that then I said, all right, well, I've got these other notes on running a services firm. So, hey, publisher, you know, I'm going to start writing this other book. Are you interested? And they said, yes. And then the same thing happened around uh, relationships and dating. I'm 53. Uh, I'm divorced. I divorced a few years ago. And I just started writing notes around in my experience in the dating world in midlife. And then I realized, oh, again, I've got sort of the skeleton and the framework for a book. Why don't I, why don't I write it? And, and so, you know, I don't know. It, it's an interesting thing that I haven't written the books to, for them to be commercially successful. I wrote the books because I just felt like I needed to for myself and I had something to, to say. And I think that's a really good perspective for creators and for even for founders, right? Is that I think too many start the process thinking, oh, well, is this going to be wildly successful? And am I going to make a am I going to make a lot of money? And it's like sometimes it's worth it just to do something for the sake of doing it. And if there's commercial success associated to it, that's great. But sometimes th th there is just good grounding in the fact of, I want to do this for me. And if there's something that comes out of it that has commercial success, cool. And so I'm an author, not for the intention of writing and, and selling a bunch of books, but for really just wanting to document my experiences and my insights. And mm -hmm. if that resonates with some people, cool. And, but if it's also not, if they're not runaway bestsellers, I'm also okay with that. <laughs> I want to talk more about that because what you're talking about is essentially it's a bit countercultural. Cause when you think about the startup journey, the founder's journey um, it's, it's been totally, you know, beat to death in terms of a cliche of like, you know, I'm creating the next Uber, I'm creating the next Facebook, I'm creating the next, uh, a lot of people don't realize that you know we call them unicorns because they are mythical; they don't exist, right? But but yet, everyone who starts their startup, that's their trajectory in their mind is I'm going to start something that's wildly successful, and it's not always. It doesn't feel like it's always our own fault. If we look, and this is why I say it's counterculture what you're saying. If we look at social media, if we go to whatever you know startup events, a lot of times that is the narrative being pushed. You know, it's sort of like the Russell Brunson. You know, you're just one funnel away. You're just one step away from creating this incredibly successful um, product or service. You're talking about something that's a little bit different, where it's like you're getting into this journey, and success is this byproduct that comes with it. I'd love to hear more about that that line of thinking. Yeah, I think, look, most things don't work, right? Most <laughs> most software products, you know, don't ever go anywhere and they end up in the graveyard of software products. Most books don't have great commercial success. Um, most screenplays don't get accepted and never turn into a show or, or, um, or a movie. Um, and so most things don't work. That doesn't mean you still shouldn't do it and pursue it if indeed you're compelled to, to do it. And I think the in my experience, the best founders have been the the unintentional ones. 
the ones who have lived in and around a problem for you know a decade and they know the problem well because of that they've been affected by the problem because of that they understand the ramifications of the problem and the value of the problem because they've lived with it for that long and and they finally get to a point where they're like okay well now i'm going to i'm going to have the intention of trying to do something about the problem and to bring a solution to to bear around the problem but they they don't go into it saying they want to be the next great big IPO, right? They go into it because they they now feel like they're almost compelled to now bring a solution to the problem. And and I think that it for me, those are the best founders, those are the best products, those are the best companies, those are the best stories. And and it's not the people that that are chasing some sort of elusive fame, celebrity, mm-hmm. and and money, uh, because the unintentional founders will also see their way through the journey. That that they don't they don't they also don't glamorize the journey. They don't think the journey is something that it's not. People that start companies, build products, and that create things like books and and other things um, that do it for the the end outcomes at the beginning are almost always disappointed. Hmm. If if you go into it saying I'm just going to value this for the journey and for what I can potentially do to help people and to add value, and then whatever the outcomes are, the outcomes are going to be. That's a much better grounded perspective that makes the journey one more palatable and and two sees you through the tough times right because there are going to be there are going to be tough times in creating anything and trying to bring anything to market and if you start from the perspective of I'm less concerned about the outcome at the beginning than I am just the process of providing value then you're you're probably going to be any better mindset to deal with the tough times. It feels like the people who come on the podcast who they've, and I don't know if they would self-describe it as like finding lightning in the bottle or they've, they've created something that works. It feels like the people who come on the podcast, they say something really similar to what you just said. And that's that creating a successful venture, whatever it is, it ultimately is about solving the problems of the customer. And yet it feels like much of what we see online is that stroking of one's ego, you know, that glamorization, the sort of, um, I call it entrepreneurial pornography. It's like, you know, this incredible, like sexy image of, you know, you quit your job. And I was even talking to someone who he was talking about how he was craving to be an entrepreneur. And I said, well, what do you think that means? Uh, Cause I know for me, it's really excruciating. So what do you think that means? And he said, "Oh, it's awesome. You just you sleep in as late as you want, and no one tells you what to do." Oh, please! <laughs> and I thought I think that's probably called immaturity, actually. But <laughs> right. <laughs> but it just it it you're talking about something that I, I feel like I keep hearing it over and over again, and it's such an incredible insight. It's it's about your journey being focused on the people you're serving, and you're compelled to serve those people and help those people. Rather than um, you know, I'm gonna get mine. I guess I don't know. Yeah, for sure. I think that I, I think that's true, and and I think that those are the um, the enduring companies and the enduring products and the enduring founders. Because you know, there's also you know huge myths out there that 
you, you can build something in a couple of years that's going to have you know significant value, and and you're going to be able to then kick back and sort of just relax. And um, <laughs> it, it also doesn't work that way typically, because um, even companies that you you look back at and say, oh, I just heard of them, and now they're IPOing. Well, th- there there's a lot more under the iceberg than than you can see above the water, and the same thing is true with companies and books and movies and whatever. I, I mean, Nomadland just won you know the the um, the Oscar for Best Picture, and you know Nomad was a grinded out, underfunded, right lack of support, right uh, documentary about you know that 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 woman's life and that sort of lifestyle. And so now they've won an Oscar, fabulous. But who was there when you know they were sleeping on cots and and you know they were completely unsupported and underfunded? That's when that's when you show your medal, right? Mm-hmm. And that's the journey that every entrepreneur and every creator goes through. That nobody's there to see how early you got up and what the late nights were like mm-hmm. and the sleeping on cots and wondering if you're going to make payroll and, mm-hmm. and how you're going to make payroll and all of those things. So the journey is not glamorous whatsoever. People just see the outcomes, but what they then fail to recognize is, well, what did, what did it take to get there? And there are very few overnight successes and, and it takes 10 years on average and is typical right to build something of any value and substance most people don't want to put 10 years into something mm-hmm. um they just don't right mm-hmm. and that's that's not new it gets blamed on sort of impatience now and and you know social media influence and impulsivity people two decades ago also didn't want to put 10 years into an endeavor to try to make it work so it's not really maybe it's amplified now but i've been doing this for 30 years now and I can tell you two years, you know, two decades ago, people also didn't want to commit 10 years to see if something would work or not. But that's really what it takes. Um, and, um, you know, I've now written two books. I'm in the process of writing a third, unfortunately, for the first book and the, the readers and buyers of the first book. I'm a better writer now than I was writing the first book. <laughs> that's that's how it goes, yeah. Right. And and that's why investors want to fund you know repeat founders and and multiple um, sort of company founders is because investors then know you came into it sort of wide eyed and bushy tailed in the first right. company and now you understand how this really works and mm-hmm. you understand how how what it really means to be a founder when you probably didn't the first time you took a bet and at bat at it. You know, the people who are listening, who um, they've been on their entrepreneurial journey for a while, they're listening to you and they're thinking, oh yeah, that's, that is absolutely the grind of entrepreneurship. But I somewhat feel, I don't know if, if, if it's right to say I feel bad for, I, I, um, people who are listening, and I mentioned this at the start of the podcast, the people who are listening, who they're sort of dreaming about that endeavor and they're, maybe they just, they, they may not even feel that unfulfilled in their day job, but they're just wanting something different. They're hearing you talk about this portrayal of entrepreneurship, this ten-year grind, and it's a bit of a it's a bit of a punch to the gut because it's like, oh, I I thought I was going to create something, and in two years' time, it was going to be seven figures because again, that is what gets communicated online. I mean, I think digital marketers right now are many of them are selling their soul 
to basically bring in so much revenue from naive entrepreneurs when they say things like, hey, you're, you're one funnel away, you're one email away. Hey, just do this email script and it'll work for you. Does it feel like, you, know, you mentioned you've been doing this for 30 years now. Is it harder today than it was 30, 30 years ago to become an entrepreneur and do it right? In some ways, yes. And in some ways, no. I think there's so much noise, as you put it, sort of entrepreneurial you know, pornography. I think there's so much noise around and there's so many hacks and the hustle culture, I think, is bad mm. because people think that, well, if I, like nobody can even tell you what you know it means to hustle, right? No, <laughs> nobody can define that, right? Yeah. And it's because nobody wants to define it because the people that are out there, the consultants, the coaches, and the, the hackers are out there selling products and services and advice to potential entrepreneurs saying, well, we've got the secret sauce. And if you just follow our, our method, right, then you're, mm -hmm. you're going to be successful. You know, all of that is BS um, because, uh, and can they point to, you know, um, you know, a couple of blips, right. Where something worked and, you know, someone did this thing and put out this, this video that went viral. Sure. But is that formulaic? No. Um, and what, what is formulaic is if you understand a problem at a deep level and you um, get and stay close to customers around solving that problem, you have a chance of doing something that they value and could be successful. Is that fun? No. Is it glamorous? No. Is it going to take some time? Yes. But that's how you, if you want to ensure some level of success, there are principles that will help ensure that level of success. Or you can take the shortcuts and you can sort of buy the hacker hype and the hustle hype and all that sort of stuff. And are some people going to hit, you know, um, a, 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 a strike of gold during that, that those people and those companies can then point to? Sure. But I would also argue, what's the validity of a lot of those that are set up of examples of it working? Like in my Instagram feed, I see all the time, you know, people saying with sponsored ads, oh, here's how I made 30 grand in a month. Here's how mm -hmm. I quit my 95. I don't even know how much of that is true. Right. Right. All I know is that for me to have success and to be part of success over time is we ground it out using the fundamentals and the principles. And mm -hmm. it's and, and it's it's far from what these you know people are sort of are you know, uh, conveying and trying to sell to would-be entrepreneurs. And I mm -hmm. think there's a lot of money in the entrepreneurial ecosystem that is mostly just thrashing and it's not anybody really accomplishing anything. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, and I, I do want to go back to your comment. I'm staying close to the customers because I think that's a really incredible insight that I want to visit before we're done today. But going back to what you just said, um, I think you're so right and I think it's, it's, we're talking about a 10-year game to build your business. And yet, there are people who are communicating something totally different. And I remember when I first started my business, good advice, my first marketer I hired, one of his pieces of advice for me was to basically go to the, the prettiest condo in my town, rent it, 
and film myself talking about my business on the balcony that like overlooks the city. And I was like, that's, that's surely there's something more I can do marketing wise. I mean, that's pretty dishonest. And he was like, no, that's, that's what sells. And I was like, well, I don't feel, I don't want to do that. And he was like, well, then, you know, we probably shouldn't work together because that's then not- you, Then you don't want to succeed. Yeah. That's, and that's another thing I think that's interesting is this sort of flipping of your, it's flipping the script on the person where it's not working, this very formulaic approach of just do this, just send this email. Um, I saw one the other day that was on um, LinkedIn DMing, which people who've listened to the to my podcast know how obnoxiously I talk about how obnoxious it is. And yet I was watching this conversation transpire where someone was saying, you just send this DM and then you send the follow-up and then that will lead you to the sale. And it wasn't working. And the person was saying, well, you must not be doing it right. And here I am as the bystander thinking, it just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that simply. But instead of us owning that, it's very much this exactly what you just said. You know, It's flipping it on the, the aspiring entrepreneur and blaming them. You know, we're talking about a 10-year game with all of this noise, all of this, these challenges. How the heck does someone stay motivated, diligent, um, hardworking? I mean, I feel like we're all super jazzed about our business that first year, maybe even the second year. But then when the third year rolls around and the fourth year, or we're like, wow, I've been doing this five years now. How does someone stay hungry year in and year out with all the noise that's happening? Yeah, I think it's, and that's why I dislike the hustle narrative and culture a lot, um, because that implies that you're going to get a quick return on your your hustle input. Um, And I think if you're not an incredibly disciplined person, your chances of making it as an entrepreneur or a creator are almost zero. Jeez. Because... It, it, what it, what building a successful pro- product company and then you know piece of of create creativity like a book or a movie or a song or whatever it's not about um are are you talented and are you gifted and are you smart etc it's it can you apply enough discipline for long enough to give it a chance to work and great songwriters aren't uh, just aren't great songwriters, right? They understand the craft. They understand the profession. They've put in their time to then write a song that becomes a hit. Um, same thing with entrepreneurs, right? If you spend enough time around a problem and customers working to solve that problem in a way that those customers value, that's not going to happen overnight. But if you keep showing up and you keep iterating on it and you keep doing it, eventually, even someone of average intelligence and average experience is going to be able to then get to a point that they have something of value. I'm convinced of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, 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 and there's an example that I use that, that, that is you know some, somewhat frowned upon, but I think it's a ju- just a good example around the discipline that it takes. Network marketing companies right? Amway and all the others, right? If you're going to, anybody can be successful at that. The ones who are successful are the ones who do it over a very long period of time in a very disciplined way. Mm-hmm. Now we can debate whether network marketing companies add value and whether they're good, you know, and whether the products are any better than you get anywhere else, you know, et cetera. But what I, but what I respect about that is 
anybody can do it. You don't need a particular background. You don't need a particular pedigree. And the ones that succeed at it are the same people that succeed at, they would succeed at another endeavor because they bring a level of discipline to it that when you look at it, you're like, wow, no wonder you've built a huge business selling skin lotion because you've grinded for 10 years to now have 10,000 people under you all selling one bottle of lotion a month, mm-hmm. right? But that's what it takes inside of any business, right? And in, inside of a, any endeavor. Um, and so, and but the counter to that is most people aren't disciplined. Mm-hmm. Right. Most people want to be comfortable. Most people want to hit the easy button. Most people don't want to, you know, push themselves. They don't want to test their the limits and they want it to and they want it to come easy. Um, and the things in life that are that are valuable don't come easy. Right. And you have to work yeah. at them. It's the power of consistency and showing up. And it feels it does feel like you're spot on with um, and you see it a lot. Actually, I mean, social media is incredibly lucrative for people's business. Uh, people's businesses. And yet, you know, someone does one post and then they say, well, I guess it doesn't work. Right. Or they do one video and they say, I guess it doesn't work. Or someone says, Hey, I'm gonna start a podcast and they do a podcast a week for, you know, a month. And they say, well, I guess that didn't work. You know, you're talking about the power of consistency month after month after month, and even year after year after year, uh, just since we're running low on time, I want to make sure I ask you, or I want to go back to a comment you made on being close to your customers. And I think this is a a brilliant insight that all of us, wherever we are in our business, it's just a good rule of thumb. This concept of being close to our customers. And it feels like a lot of times, many of us, whenever we start a business or we start a, we create a product, we have an image in our mind of who will use it and what they'll think about it. And it's even things like, oh, this thing's really cool. It's really awesome. And it helps people in this way. And yet, Often, there is not a lot of dialogue happening with customers uh, where customers can actually, or sometimes that it actually does happen. You know, a customer says, you know, I don't really like that very much. And rather than listening to that, a lot of times, you know, because it's our baby, we say, well, they didn't understand it or that wasn't, that wasn't the right customer. You know, that was someone else. Um, talk to me a little bit more about this concept of being near to your customers and letting them really feed your um your, uh, the innovation or the iteration of your product or service? Yeah, we, we either don't value customer, um, input and, and relationships, um, because of, of ego, um, or because it's too hard. Um, and ego is some of the things that you said, which is doesn't align with our vision, isn't the product that we want to build. So we're going to ignore their feedback we're going to invalidate what they said because we're, we're, we're then going to say, oh, well, we were working with the wrong customer, you know, et cetera. On the other side of it, um, where, you know, we want to make sure that, that we build something, you know, that, that is in our vision because people are messy, right? And so getting and staying close to customers is hard because people are complicated, Mm-hmm. And and do and do we want to put in the time and effort to really work with customers iteratively over time to make sure what's getting created is going to add value for them? We want to get away from customers as fast as we can because they challenge us and they mm-hmm. say no and they don't like what we've done and they don't like our approach. And so 
you, and that's where the discipline comes in because customers will sometimes disagree or they'll just flat out tell you that you're wrong. And we don't want to hear that because we've already invested X amount of time, X amount of thought, X amount of energy into this problem and the way that we've thought about it. And if a customer says, nope, you're thinking about it entirely wrong and you're going about it entirely wrong, then we look at everything we've already put into it as then being a waste. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's hard for us to process and hard for us to come to terms with. Um, and so I've seen companies th- that and founders who have received customer input and they've completely ignored it and discounted it because it wasn't the direction they wanted to go with the product and the company. Mm-hmm. And and what I've said to them, you realize that they they were giving you direction, and you you've now chosen to ignore it. And and in one case, the founder actually said, "Yeah, I know, but that's not the product and company that I envisioned building." And I'm like, "Do you would you do you want to be right, or do you want to do the right thing?" Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, founders want to be right more than they want to do the right thing. Well, and it goes back to this concept of um, it almost feels like becoming a founder, we get misaligned on, I eventually want to get on stage and talk about my awesome entrepreneurial journey rather than remembering why I got into the business and that was to serve my customers. So Ryan, we are unfortunately out of time today. This has been an awesome conversation. I feel bad. We we didn't even get into your business and what you do for a living. Uh, I'm sure there's plenty of people who could use your advice and use your direction and use your insight. Tell our listeners just a little bit about what does it look like for them to connect with you, but more importantly, to maybe even work with you. Uh, what does that look like for my listeners? Yeah. So the best place to go is awh.net. So I now, uh, one of the hats that I wear is I own a product firm. We build digital products for, for clients, um, startups up to enterprises. And, and then I work with services firms to help them sort of evolve their services firms uh, because they're starting a product company which you know now is typically software, um, and then services firms. And services firms are sort of their own beast inside of, of business types because services firms are really easy to start. Anybody can put out a shingle and say, yep, I provide this service. Services firms are incredibly hard to grow because they're so people dependent and they're so they're so manual and you don't get the exponential sort of return and scalability that you do with with product companies. So services firms are their own uh, are their own sort of animal to to deal with. Um, so awh.net best place to start if somebody wants to engage in a conversation around building a software product or figuring out how they grow their services firm. Ryan, it's been great talking to you today. I appreciate you coming on the podcast. Good to be with you. Hey, for our listeners, I'm going to put the link to awh.net down in the episode description below. I'm also going to put the link to both of Ryan's book, again, Sale Naked uh, and Other Advice for Growing and Managing Service Firms, as well as the Founder's Manual, A Guidebook for Becoming a Successful Entrepreneur. Both of those, their Amazon links are going to be down in the episode description below. So make sure you check those out. And hey, if you enjoyed this episode, what the heck are you waiting on? Click that subscribe button, click that follow button so you keep getting good advice wherever you are. And don't forget, we are on Patreon. If you're loving the podcast, you want to support the podcast or even get your business advertised on the podcast, you can go to patreon.com slash good advice and find out more information there. As always, I appreciate you. Thanks for listening and we'll catch you later. See ya.